God, Ephesians chapter number three. Amen. Ephesians chapter number three. A letter to a church, that talented tent maker from Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. Amen. Hallelujah. When you read his story, amen, you ought to say some hope for me. Amen. Because he was a hot mess. Amen. Anybody besides Paul and me, amen, was a hot mess, amen, but the Lord touched you, amen, hallelujah, I'm, I'm reading from my, I'm from the hood, amen, so I'm going to read my hood translation, amen, this is an amplified, amplified translation uh, of Ephesians 3 and 20, it says, now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power, that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. I didn't even know that was a word, amen. Super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I dare you to ask. Come on. All that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. That's some good stuff right there. Amen. Let me read it from the 15th century translation you grew up on. It says, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly. Y'all know that one. Above all that we may ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Do me a favor. Push somebody like you're going to push them down and say, I want it all. Amen. Oh, uh, that, that wasn't the right person. It wasn't the right person. Find somebody else and push them like you're going to push them down to the ground. Say, I want it all. I want everything God said. Come on, because he's able to do super abundantly. I can go home now. Somebody say super abundantly. (laughs) Pray with me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bless you, we honor you, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Minister to our hearts as only you can. We thank you in advance for what you are about to do. Decrease me that you might increase. I bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and praise God. You may be seated in the Lord's house. Barry Schwartz, American psychologist, said the secret to happiness is to lower your expectations. Come on, great thinkers, been to college, degrees, amen, more degrees than a thermometer. I'm going to say it again. He said, the secret to happiness is to lower your expectations. While I respect his vocation, his opinion, and his theory, and his psychology, I submit to you this morning that this is bad theology. I find complications in this commentary. Because a life of low expectations will cause you to live beneath your privilege 
and you will never walk in your legal, lawful, rightful inheritance and you will never reach your full potential and it will cause you to settle for less than what God had prepared for you. And then you will live and lead a life full of frustration and, and depression because you're, you're like a Corvette that was meant to fly down the highway of life, amen, in sixth gear. But, but the owner is content with a casual, leisurely joyride around the block in first gear. And with all of this pinned up power... You, you will never reach the full potential or walk in your God-given purpose. So, so, so the myth put forth by cynical people is that if you live a life with low expectations, you will never be disappointed. Come on, these people, they say stuff like this, expect the worst and hope for the best. But, but I believe living your life with this sort of methodology, you will be disappointed with a, hear this, mediocre, average, middle of the road, unexceptional, ordinary, lackluster, run-of-the-mill, unremarkable, dull existence. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. What am I trying to say? I'm, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? Let me cut to the chase. I want everything God has for me. I want everything God said I can have. I don't want to leave nothing on the table. And I humbly submit to you that if you don't expect anything, you won't get anything. Come on, he began to talk about expectation, and I, I thank the Lord for the confirmation because I never told him what I was preaching about. But what saddens me the most is that many people come to church week in and week out, and they don't miss any service. And every time that the church doors are open, they are there and they enjoy the experience of worship. But because they come with empty expectations, they leave the same way that they came. And so Jesus, that precious Palestinian Jew, with all of his splendor and all of his glory and all of his power, he healed and he performed miracles. He restored the sight to the blind. So much so John wrote in the gospel that all the things that Jesus had done could not be contained in all of the books of the world. But when he went to his hometown, the people had empty expectations and he could not perform any miracles. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. I marvel at the fact that people will approach a holy, sovereign, all-powerful, abundant God, a God that stepped out of nowhere onto nothing and said, let there be, and it became what he said. He's Elohim. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't need any blueprints. He didn't need a hammer. He didn't stop by Home Depot. He said, let there be, and it became what he said because he's God all by himself. How can you approach a God that can speak stuff into existence? And come with an empty expectation. The Bible says that you have not because 
you ask not. And I'm a priest like I'm at home, and these, but, but these are the kind of people, pastor, that I can't stand to be around. Because they'll suck life out of you. They'll, they'll suck joy out of you. They'll suck faith out of you. They don't want nothing from God, and they don't want you to want nothing from God. This is why you got to be careful with the company that you keep. I want somebody that can see me in my shell, beast. Because, young people, people want to trap you where they met you. Oh, my God. But God said, I shall be the head and not the tail. I shall be the lender and not the borrower. I'm above and not beneath. Look at somebody say, I want it all. I don't want to be around them kind of people. Because the number one corresponding action of faith is that faith speaks what it believes. We believe, therefore, I have spoken. And so you can tell what's in somebody's heart by what's coming out of their mouth. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to tell it. And just because they go to church and because they got church jargon down and catchy Christian cliches, that don't mean that they have a heart full of faith. And you can identify these people. They'll say stuff like, well, that's far-fetched. I mean, can anything good come out of Madisonville? Okay, let me pick on me. Can anything good come out of Avondale? Come on, they'll start saying stuff. Well, that's not realistic. Come on, you need to be more rational. I mean, don't you know your pedigree and your DNA and where you come from? That your papa was a rolling stone? Come on, don't you know? Oh, my God, why bother? You had a mother that didn't bother. You had a father that didn't bother. Why bother reach for the stars? Come on, I can't stand to be around them kind of people. I won't even sit next to him at church. Because I need somebody I can high five. I need somebody I can touch and agree with. I need somebody that's going to speak life. Come on, I need somebody. Oh, my goodness. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Are that, is that you? Come on, is that you? Every now and again, you ought to change seats. Come on. Come on, you ought to do a praise check on your road. Come on, somebody. And say, come on, because when I start thinking about the stuff God done for me and the stuff he brought me out of, I'm getting ready to get on your nerves. And so when we come, hear this, into the presence of God, your expectation should be so high that you start sounding greedy. Where are all of my greedy Christians, amen, that want everything God said that you can have? You want all the joy and you want all the peace and you want all the love and you want equanimity. You want mental calmness. Come on. Come on. Don't get mad at me that you fool. Amen. When I keep going back to get more of what God said I can have. I want mental stability. Come on. I want the glory of God. I want faith in my life. I want to take the glory that rests in this house. I want to take it to my house. I want financial stability. Okay, y'all sat there like I was crazy, amen. You got some people that have a problem with the health and wealth gospel. 
Come on, when the antithesis is poe and sick. Oh my goodness, you'll catch it next week. Come on. If you don't want me to preach health and wealth, the antithesis is poe and sick. You want me to preach poe and sick? He said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul. Say it again. I want it all. I want it all. Where are the Christians that know that God is able? That know that the Bible says that we have not because you ask not. Come on, where are the Christians that are going to think big? Come on. That's going to think outside the box. That's thinking on another level. That's thinking with the mind of Christ. He said, let this mind be in you. When I come to the service, I'm expecting God to talk to me. Come on, I know that there's the logos. I know I can read the logos, the written express word of God. But I need a rhema applicable word for my life. I need My expectations are so high. Watch this, that even when the preaching is bad, I can get something out of it. Y'all can't hear me. You can't hear me. But who preaching today? Pastor ain't preaching. Pastor out of town. Pastor on vacation. Come on, I'll take a bad word and doctor it up like potato salad. Oh, my God. I can praise God over what the preacher trying to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got enough anointing on my life. I got enough faith in me. I got enough word in me. I've been sitting on a good teaching long enough. I can run my own revival. Let me hurry, let me hurry, because y'all tired of me. Great crowd, by the way. Amen. I'm, jo I'm joining after the service. I'm joining this church. Amen. So hear this. Hear this. Let's, let's go deeper. Be because of our interactions with people that are limited, we get disappointed in them when they don't fulfill everything that they advertise to us. Huh? Watch this, shame on us. Come on, because people are just people. Only God is all powerful. And so I'm not putting any pressure on anybody else for my happiness. I teach this to our married couples, marriage matters on Monday night, we taught them last week. Come on, don't say you complete me, that's too much pressure for me. Come on, you need to get whole yourself, and when you get whole, come holler at me. You complete me. You make me happy. That's too much pressure. Because when you look into me, the Bible says, look to Jesus, who's the author. And so when they mess up, I, can't, I don't fall. Come on, when they mess up, I'll say, you know what? They're flawed, and they need the blood like I need the blood. And so, so don't blame people for disappointing you. Blame yourself for expecting too much out of them. Even, even your family, they may not endorse you. They may not support you. They may not validate you. But the Bible says what a man or woman thinks in their heart, so is he. Come on, you Bible scholars, you know Joseph had a dream. 
and he saw himself doing greater. And the Bible says he told his brothers and they begin to hate him. I'm going to throw this in for free. This ain't got nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. You got to be careful who you're sharing your vision with. Come on, you got to be careful who you're sharing your dreams with. Come on. Everybody can't handle your destiny. And in fact, what they think about you is not predicated on what God is getting ready to do in your life. He's sovereign du jour. Come on. Which means he can do what he want to do when he want to do it. He, uh, he works all things by the counsel of his own will. Which means he ain't got to meet with nobody and check in with the governing board when he decides to bless you. And so there are some things that God has empowered us to do. And then there are some things that only God can do. And it is unfair and it is unrealistic to put pressure on a limited human being to make you happy. And so the Bible declares in Psalm 118 and 8 that it is better to put our trust in the Lord than put our confidence in man. So when people don't come through for us, we have a tendency, watch this, to lower our expectations because we have been disappointed so much in our life and then we approach God because our heart has been broken over and over again and we start to look at God with a side eye. And then we start saying stuff like them sisters did if you would have been here. And then, and then Jesus said, well, if you would just believe. Come on, where are the believers in the house? The psalm says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So, so what do you do when your experiences are not coming into alignment or in agreement with your expectations? Come on, what do you do when what you are experiencing in the natural is not coming into agreement with what God has shown you in the spirit? What do you do when your reality and your revelation are not lining up? What do you do when your present and your prophecy is not coming into agreement? Hear this. Your body gives you consciousness. Huh? It appeals to your senses, our taste, our touch, our smell, all of those things. It keeps you in touch with the world. In your spirit, you have God consciousness. Come on, John 4 and 24 says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we embrace God in the spirit realm. We at times express him and experience him in our natural bodies, but what connects me to God is my spirit. My soul, my mind, my memory, my emotions, my appetite is operating out of my soul. This is why it is important to watch what we are entertaining because all kind of stuff is trying to seep into your subconscious mind. Stay with me. And it tries to leak into your conscious mind. And then you start to think and act out what came out of your subconscious mind into your conscious mind. And you begin to start questioning yourself. Well, where did that kind of attitude come from? Why am I feeling this kind of way? 
Because we have entertained something that has troubled us in our spirit. And so here, hear this. Incidentally, our biggest battleground is not in the natural realm. Watch this. And it may not even be, I'm vacillating with this, Pastor, you help me. It may not even be in the spirit realm because when, when, when God saves something, he saves it to the utmost. He saves your spirit. Your spirit is saved. Your flesh ain't saved. Come on, if my flesh was saved, my hair wouldn't be thinning. Come on, if your flesh was saved, then your back wouldn't ache when you sit down too long. Because whatever God saves, he preserves. Come on, the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years and their sandals didn't even wear out. And so God has saved you in your spirit. Which leads me to believe that the greatest battleground is not in the natural. It's not necessarily in the spirit. It's in my head. So if I can get my head out, my money can come out, my marriage can come out, my family can come out. My finances can come out. My health can come out. Somebody say, I want it all. Can I have five more minutes? Come on, five more minutes, baby. And so, hear this. We have to be careful how we handle heartbreak. And, and, and heartache and, and setbacks and disappointments because ships don't sink because of the water on the outside they sink when the stuff from the outside get on the inside and so you can be in chaos and all kind of confusion going on around you. And the moment you step into a chaotic situation, the first thing a person is going to ask you is how do you feel? And you can reach back way back and say, I got a feeling that everything's going to be all right. Come on. Is it just me? Have you ever had tears in your eyes, but peace in your heart? Come on. Have you ever had tears in your eyes, but you had a clapping in your hands? Have you ever had tears in your eyes? Oh, my God. But you had a running in your feet. Because there's too many people that have peace with God. They're saved, but they don't have the peace of God. Come on, more time than now than I've ever seen in my life, we have more Christians that are depressed and weary, and I'm not trying to minimize that. Come on, but when you look up with Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, he said, the peace I give you, I give you my peace. I'm Jehovah Shalom. An ever-present help in the time of trouble. And so the X factor, the X factor is this underappreciated variable this equation in our life that sometimes that we don't include those that have spent time maybe in the gym working out you know that one of the most important parts of the workout is making sure that you got you a good spotter right because oftentimes the job of the spotter their job is to help guide you and, and support you and help carry the weight for you when it starts to get a little too heavy for you watch this and encourage you Come on, when you start to struggle a little bit, come on, the spotter say, come on, you got this. 
Come on, you got this. And the only reason why most of us are here, come on, is the spotter called the, oh my goodness, he, Jesus came alongside of you, guided you, supported you. When the load got a little heavy, he helped you. And when you was just getting ready to give up, he said, you got this, push a little harder. Do me a favor, find three people that want to have church with you and say, keep on pushing. I said three people. You did two. Come on. I said three. Push. Push through the heartache. Push through the pain. Push through the sadness. Push through the depression. Push through the divorce. Oh my God. Somebody holler, push. Come back. Can I come back next year? Come on, I'll come back next year. Watch this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Sometimes, sometimes God is putting you in a situation to grow you up. Come on, I found this out. I found this out that God, hear this, is in the character development business. And we get so excited about trying to get to the destination that we forget to enjoy the journey. There is stuff that you learn in the journey that, that, that heightens your level of awareness of God. It, it helps you to make deposits into your faith account. And so now your expectations can elevate. And so when we get there too fast, amen, sometimes we got to be put on life support because it came too soon. You learn that God is a provider when there's no money in the bank. Y'all don't want to. Y'all don't want to have church. You learn that God. You can't call him Jehovah Jireh if you ain't never been there until your last time. You can't call him Jehovah Rapha, the healer, if you ain't never been on your sick bed. And so God wants to manifest Himself through His nature and through His character. And through his will. Yes, and he wants to have an encounter with you. Yes, and when you have an encounter with you, your expectations will elevate. Yes, and you'll be able to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Yes. Come on, what kind of cancer is this? What kind of sickness is this? What kind of sadness is this? What kind of depression is this? Come on, because the Bible says, I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Where are the believers in the house of God? You are more anointed than you realize. Come on, there's more in you than you realize. And sometimes God got to treat you like that tube of toothpaste. And he got to squeeze you a little more to get that last little bit out of you.
to you. And I didn't know I can pray like I could until I got in trouble. I didn't know how anointed I was until I had to face my adversaries. I want you to stand to your feet.